Hello there. ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Iman Kusro, and I'm joined by my guest today, Morgan Reed. How are you doing today, Morgan? Iman, I'm very well, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and talk about some Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for joining, and congratulations on your victory in winning the online TTS Star Wars Shatterpoint League. I've mentioned this in the past, but I was a big fan of you on Strike Better, which was your MCP podcast that you ran on. So to not only be able to chat with you, play with you, but now have you on my podcast, you know, for me, in my mind, it's full circle. You know, I made it. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, I'm just saying to my kids, I'm just going to jump on a, on a podcast and like, Dad, we thought you stopped doing that. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's been a minute since we've done a podcast, but it's nice. It's nice to be back talking about games. Absolutely. Before we get into our main topic today, I just want to give a quick shout out to our patrons. Our patrons support Hello There at patreon.com slash hello there cast. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting us and joining our Discord community. We've got some awesome stuff going around as well as we're wrapping up two of our leagues. One was a consolation league and the other one was episode two and episode three is starting on November 9th. So if you're interested in playing some guaranteed games with awesome community and awesome opponents, check us out. And we take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. And so we have five new patrons, all at the Padawan Acolyte tier. We have Patrick, Craig, Skyler, Thomas, and Christopher. Thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Of course, we also have our producers to thank. So shout out to Rusty Jedi Survivor, Jello Jedi Pirate, and Bounty Hunter Brady. Thank you so much for your support. And then, last but not least, we have our ultimate producers. These are individuals who support us at our highest tier. Big shout out to Sith Emperor Kevin, Grandmaster Griffin, and Crime Lord Damio Matt. Thank you so much, all of you, for your support. Hello there also has two partnerships with affiliated links. The first one is Mr. Laser at Mr. Laser.square.site, your resource for everything Star Wars Shatterpoint. Check them out for all of your tabletop wargaming needs, including games outside of Star Wars Shatterpoint. You can use our affiliate code. Hello there, five. That's all lowercase, no spaces with the number five. And that grants you a fantastic 5% discount on all purchases. Cool thing about Mr. Laser is that he's already discounted his products. So that's more savings for you. Hello there also has an affiliation with Imperial Terrain, the premier manufacturer of tabletop Star Wars themed terrain, specifically for Star Wars Shatterpoint and Star Wars Legion. They've got a ton of cool stuff in the pipe and a ton of new releases. If you're interested in purchasing any of their digital products, you can use, again, Hello There 5 for 5% discount on all STL and digital purchases. Of course, that is an affiliated link. So using that code does help out Jesse and I at Hello There. So for our listeners who may or may not be familiar with you, I wanted to start 
by just talking about who you are, what games do you play, your background in gaming, and what your local scene's like, your online scene, and then maybe we can get into more of the specifics. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll try not to ramble too much and just steer me in the uh, direction you want me to answer. Absolutely. Well, we love ramblers on the show, so you'll fit in right at home. So when did you start tabletop gaming? Probably in earnest about 10 years ago. I started with Star Wars X-Wing when FFG released it. I didn't quite get in at the start of X-Wing. I was probably about six or 12 months after release. But uh, I'd sort of stop playing. I'd just get a bit older. I'd stop playing, you know, sort of social or, or sport. And I wanted a hobby. And so I got into miniatures gaming, much to the humor of my wife. But uh, yeah, so I got into X-Wing. And that was really the beginning of my, my gaming back. That's awesome. And, and why X-Wing? Was it because the miniatures were already pre-painted? Or was it the ship-style combat? Was it Star Wars? What was the... The catalyst. Yeah, I think those things, all of those things you mentioned, I wasn't really much for the the hobby side of it. That didn't appeal to me initially. And I was a big Star Wars fan, always have been, like many people. And But also just the, the people I'd asked about, hey, what do I do if I'm not playing sport in my spare time? You know, what are the hobbies? The local sort of crew were into X-Wing, so it was natural that they wanted to swell the ranks and said, well, hey, why don't you, you try playing this game? And then I was sort of just hooked on it. I, I sort of really enjoyed how it occupied the brain in the downtimes when you were sort of, you know, lying, lying in bed at night thinking about different squads and point costings and combinations. And I just did really enjoyed all of that. No, that's awesome. And I love that too. It reminds me, actually, you ever seen that meme where it's like, oh, he's probably thinking about another woman and they're laying in <laughs> yes, bed. Exactly. And it's just the dude thinking about something super nerdy. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So cool. You got in with X-Wing and then... How long did you play that for? How seriously did you take that competitively? What, what was your background and answer there? Yeah, I, so I played that for, so I started in about 2013, maybe late 2012, maybe like early 2013, and then probably for about five years. So I, I think the last time I played X-Wing was about 2018, thereabouts. So and I, I went deep in the Matrix. I was absolutely obsessed by it. And so I, I used to travel around Australia and to the US a couple of times to attend Worlds and I was I got reasonably good at it, not the best, but I got reasonably good at it. And I the sort of best result I managed to snag was coming second at Worlds one year, which was pretty fortunate. But yeah, I was I was very competitive and loved it. Probably too competitive actually in hindsight. The joy sort of I forgot to enjoy it towards the end. I definitely feel that. And congratulations on getting second. That's awesome. At Worlds especially and, and I'm sure I'm assuming that was in America, so you had to travel as well. Yeah, but it was it was awesome, man. Like I, I was fortunate enough to win our national championships and I sort of didn't realise at the time leading into the event, but FFG, you you're probably aware of this, they used to have, you know, the the road to world system and whoever won nationals from around the world, they would fly pay for the flights and accommodation to to fly you into Roseville in Minnesota to go and attend Worlds. So you know, by fortune of winning our nationals, I've got a free ticket accommodation to the States and had an absolute blast and met some really, really great people. That's amazing. How long was that flight? Was it correct? Uh, no, it's a stopover somewhere, Singapore maybe. It was It was a while. Yeah, I was pretty late, but it was worth it. it was, I was young then, so it was good times. And so then after, you said around roughly around 2018, you stopped. MCP didn't come until a little bit after that. Was there any game that occupied you in between through games? Yeah, I, I played, I dabbled in a little bit of Legion, Star Wars Legion, just to stay on the Star Wars theme. Huge Darth Vader fan, so I sort of learnt how to play that. 
more socially, I sort of want to take a break from competitive gaming and just try and enjoy it with a few friends. And that was good fun. I enjoyed playing Darth Vader and the Empire and got a little bit stale after a while and sort of the repetitive play patterns. And really about that time, after I'd been playing it for a few months, then MCP had dropped. I had a, a good mate of mine who, who said, hey, can we try this Marvel game? And I was like, sure, why not? And so we went and bought it on release and and here we go, dived right back into obsession with competitive gaming with, with Marvel eventually. So yeah, a little break in Legion, but X-Wing, then Legion, and then Marvel Crisis Protocol for a few years. And you went pretty hard in Marvel Crisis Protocol. I mean, you were on a podcast, you were regularly competing. How did the scene look locally for you? And and obviously, you know, spoilers for anyone who's listening, but Morgan, I believe you won the TTS League three times? No, only twice. Twice. I uh, lost. I played in the final three times in the sort of end of season bit, but I got soundly beaten in one of them, and rightly so, by a very good player from Canada, I want to say. Esmond was his name. But yes, I was lucky enough to, to win a couple of the couple of the TTS leagues, which was nice. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you know, the competition in those leagues is is extremely fierce, and you have players from all over the world. And obviously, Marvel as, a, as an IP is huge. I recall maybe on Strike Better, your you know when you were on there that your favorite character was Hulk. Is that true? Yeah, I, I did like Hulk. It was probably between Hulk and Thor. And I'll be honest, it sort of waxed and waned as AMG buffed or nerfed the characters. I really liked Thor initially when he came in, but then once Hulk got the upgrade, man, Hulk was yeah, he was he was great. Yeah, Hulk post the Errata was and still is a wild powerful character but then you stopped playing mcp and when was that and and was you was it again just like too much competition got burnt out a little yeah similar similar patterns repeating and it's funny because this time i was more aware of it still happened so it was a combination of things of i think doing too much i was the podcast as you, you know this better than i do the effort required to you know anyone can sort of just make a podcast and have a couple of good episodes and talk about stuff that's interesting but then as the as the weeks turn into months turn into potentially years it's really quite an effort to find quality content and you've got to put a lot of effort into you know making that idea very listenable or digestible for an audience who actually wants to listen to what you're talking about so i found that took a lot of effort and i suppose time out of out of the day and then i'd, I'd try and grind the the mcp competitively and it actually turned out to i just stopped enjoying it i think the the last season I played was, I don't remember what season, maybe it was season nine of the TTS League. And I was playing games and I just wasn't enjoying it. Win or lose, I was like, no, I, I think I'm done. This is this is not fun anymore. You know, I feel like it's always hard to identify when you're done with a game. And I told this to a friend recently, but it's kind of a tough process when you eventually realize you're over a game because it's like you're in a relationship, right? You go from spending a lot of time with the game, thinking about the game, hoping for the game, and, and thinking about your future with the game, and then one day it just ends. And it, and it's actually a really big deal if you think about it. Like it, if, at least for me, like when I eventually stop playing games, I'm like, oh man, you know, like I met these people through this game, I made these friends, I traveled here. Now it's all gone, you know. I, that's a great analogy. I like that. And yeah, it's difficult, and it's a balance I've not got right. I mean, it's my personality type is quite obsessive about things which is good in some ways, but it has some negatives. And then the gaming, I've always got to try it. Well, now, as I'm learning for, from 10 years of doing this in, in different systems, try and temper 
that obsession so I can have longevity and sustained enjoyment as opposed to just trying to optimize everything, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And yeah, I think that's a single-minded determination when it comes to you know how can I be the best and, and how can I optimize myself? Because I think there's a level of competition as well that's healthy, but also you know drives maybe individuals like you and me, because I think I'm very competitive as well. So yeah, finding that balance is hard. I agree completely. It is. I'm not sure I've got it right, but as I get older and more mature, I hopefully I get the balance better each time. Absolutely. I hope that I can follow in those footsteps. But let's change gears now and talk about Star Wars, right? So obviously, we love Star Wars on the show. You love Darth Vader. Your profile picture on Discord is Vader. For the longest time, I thought it was Batman, but it's Vader in a Batman-styled background. But instead of the bat on fire, it's the Empire logo? The Imperial Cog, yes. That's exactly right. Yep. I, I never noticed until you had pointed it out when we had played in the in the top cut, and I was like, "Wow, that is something that I'm embarrassed that I didn't catch." You know, because I love both Batman and Vader, and I should know the difference. It's such a small picture, though, and it, it is drawn from um, Christopher Nolan, The Dark Knight, with the same sort of background pictures. It's just switched, but uh, yeah, good picture. I like that one. So, how did you get into Star Wars? Was it just you watched it in the theater, or was it a delayed? introduction into the universe how did you get into it so yeah i mean i was i mean i was born in the 80s so i, I wasn't in the theaters for the original trilogy when it came out but i watched it as a kid like probably most of all of us did and then you know enjoyed watching the movies as they came out over the years but it was probably x-wing that really pulled me into from liking star wars to loving star wars and and spending more time with the characters in the shows and and learning the characters. So yeah, that was that was probably it. And then from there of playing a lot of X Wing just actually fell into to more Star Wars enjoyment and that's that's kind of it. And now I love it a lot. And so it was kind of cyclic between me playing games but liking the movies and the more games I played, the the more I liked the movies, etc. That's amazing. Yeah, I man, Star Wars is so great. So you've mentioned Vader is your favorite character. Outside of Vader, do you have a favorite Star Wars character? Yeah. Look, I, I think uh Obi Wan Kenobi is He's awesome. I mean, he's just such a swashbuckling, sarcastic. I I think he's great. I really do like Obi-Wan Kenobi. They're my two favorites. They're probably two good favorites to have, I think, because you guys are a big Obi-Wan fans, aren't you, on this show? We are. I, I would say Jesse is more of an Obi-Wan fan than I am. I'm definitely more, I definitely lean more dark side, if I'm being honest. So Darth Maul, Darth Vader, Darth Revan, those are my guys. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Palpatine has a, I have a soft spot for Palpatine. He's just such a wonderful villain. How can you not love how evil he is? He's he's pretty cool. Jesse literally calls him the devil on our show. So do you have a favorite movie or like a show? I think so. Um, you'll say heresy as all Star Wars crazy fans do. But in fact, I've just started watching the, the entire shows with my family. My daughter is seven and my son is almost 10 and my wife's never really seen them. So we started watching it and on rewatching them, I really like Revenge of the Sith when Anakin has his downfall. There's some there's some bad points in it, of course, but that's probably my favorite. I would say. I love that. I'm I'm a child of the prequels, so I'm a big fan of those movies. I know they're flawed, but nothing beats nostalgia. What's your favorite one? It's a good question, man. I think it's a toss up between Empire Strikes Back and Revenge of the Sith. Nice, nice. And I think I've enjoyed the prequels more because of like Clone Wars. Yes. Yep. You know, it's really fleshed everything out, and so. 
obviously hindsight's 2020. And so they kind of adjusted things in those shows and, and had to make them line up. But I think if they had made like a Clone Wars movie, I think that could have been something amazing. But, you know, again, I love the prequels. I'm a big Qui-Gon Jinn fan as well. Oh, Liam Neeson. How could you not be? Yep. What a man. Yeah. What a man. <laughs> okay. So you get into Shatterpoint. So I guess when you first heard about it, were you excited? And then you're like, hey, you know, it's similar to MCP. So I kind of have the fundamentals down. Let's just try it. And then you got hooked or how did that happen? Uh, I was nervous actually, because I, I didn't want to spiral into an obsession about a game again. And I was very consciously trying to keep it light, keep it social on the game nights. And I was trying very hard not to play tabletop simulator. So I was excited because of all those things you said, but also nervous. I'm like, here we go again. (laughs) But I mean, as soon as Darth Vader came out, I'm like, well, that's me. I'm done. No, that's great. You found your character and now you can just play him all the time. Yeah, which is good for some people, but sometimes I, I don't play him all the time because maybe the opponents don't want to do that. I enjoy playing him. No, that's important. So when the league went up, you know, you, you did really well and then you made it to the top cut. The top cut was premier format, right? Mm-hmm. And so previous to that, it was kind of pick whatever two primaries and, and your teams and kind of have fun and, and figure it out. There wasn't any of that turn zero pre-planning. And I guess you can't really even practice in some situations because you don't know what the opponent's going to play. But Premier kind of changes the game in a lot of ways. I mean, you have some of that turn zero and, and that ability to predict what your opponent's going to do, but also it forces some really hard and tough decisions. Do you, do you like the Premier format, number one? And, and what was your thought process going into building your list for the top cut? Mm, good questions. So firstly, the Premier format, yes, I, I do like it. In fact, I would say I prefer it over the showdown format. The caveat to that is I would say I think and this is only early thoughts and put a timestamp on it because this might change, but I think it's not appropriate in all situations. And kind of the break point in my mind at the moment is that I think if you've got a, a, you know, a local event at your game store that's only three rounds, I don't think Premier format's appropriate. I think it's probably question mark on four rounds, but I think from five rounds onwards, that's when Premier format, for my mind, is, is the best format. So that's the first part. The second part for Premier is I'm not sure I liked it for the online league because you're stuck with a, I'm not sure what we call it, a, a, a roster for, yeah, in this case, it was four weeks. So that's a long time to be locked into a Premier format. And if you make some list or some team or some squad building mistakes or things right at the start, you're stuck with it. So I think it's probably really well suited for a one or two day event on a weekend. All that stuff aside, I love the challenge of the Premier format. I love the the opportunities it offers players to theme their team or squads in the way that they want to based on whatever approach they want to take, be it optimized competitive, be it anchoring around a central character, being, you know, taking two optimized teams or just having a, a thematic list that suits whatever Star Wars sort of imagination that you want. No, I love that. I completely agree with all of that. I mean, I think you summarized that very well. And it's fun too, because, you know, I I think at a certain point in terms of player skill and skill expression, building well-rounded lists, but then, you know, that not only achieve a certain goal, but then maybe also stop an opponent from achieving their goals is, is important, right? Mm-hmm. And you get to really express that in longer events. There's an aspect to Premiere that's 
very interesting as well. I believe that in the rule book is you cannot escape your destiny. You have to play every single team at least once. Do you like that aspect of Premier? I do, and I think that's entirely appropriate for the format. I know, I've only, I mean, look, I've only done the format once, to be fair. So, you know, these are probably hot takes, but you know, if you didn't have that rule, then kind of what's the point of having Premier format? So, I think that's good, and I think that offers players in the choice as we sort of briefly touched on is well, in a competitive sense, how do I construct this this Premier sort of team that I'm taking? And yeah, unless you want to dive into it, because I think you guys did a, quite a good episode covering off on the different sort of generic options players can have of an anchor squad, you know, two optimized teams or, or something separate. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And thanks for bringing that up. And so I guess when you were designing your list, what was your strategy? And it, it looks like anchor, but I don't want to assume, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. So for my premier team, I ran the four squads. The first squad, I had Vader, Jago, and the Aftrippers. The second squad, I had Mother Talzin, Sarge, and the Super Commandos. The third squad, I had Lord Maul, OB2, and the Bounty Hunters. And the fourth squad, I ran Dooku, Barris, Ofei, and the Magna Guard. And for me, in my construction, I like to normally theme my construction of lists or squads in different game systems. I want to make them competitive, but I want to theme it in a way that I enjoy. And for me, because it's a dark side, it's an evil one, I want to anchor this around Darth Vader being my favorite character. And so I thought, okay, I'll always play the Darth Vader squad and then I'll rotate the other squads around. And the theme for this was the rule of two. And the rule of two in this is for the dark side, as at October 23, I thought it worked out pretty well. So what we've got in each team, you have two lots of diceless displacement. So, for example, let's go the, the Vader and, and Talzin squad. Uh, the Darth Vader squad has uh, Jango Fett, and the Mother Talzin squad has Talzin. So there's two lots of dice displacement in that team. And that theme carries on for Lord Maul and for Barris O'Fay. And I'll sort of pause there before we go into the next bit of the rule of two, but that's sort of the first bit. Any sort of questions or comments that on so far? Yeah, and so how did you decide which displacement character was going to go in each list? Obviously, Maul is a primary, so that kind of solves itself out, but... What were your thoughts in, in placing them with those specific primaries? Yeah, fair question. So firstly, I mean, it's actually a little bit easier than people might think in that there's only, at the moment, there's only seven characters that can do diceless displacement. There's eight if you include Plo Koon, but if you're not playing online, then you probably can't access him unless you want a proxy. So, you know, there's four primaries, there's two secondaries, and there's two supports. And the two supports, I mean, I might have missed one, by the way, and if I have, please correct me. But the two supports I don't rate very highly at the moment, being the Inquisitors, the fourth sister and fifth brother. The two secondaries, Django and Barris, I've got them both in there. And of the four primaries, being Maul, Asajj, Telzin and Plo Koon, I've got Maul and, and Telzin. So it was just a matter of listing out which, which units do diceless displacement in the game and then you know cherry-picking the ones that I want into put into my team to anchor around Darth Vader. Very nice. And so the, the next bit, so I've got the, the rule of two, I've got the two... Diceless displacements available in the team. Then I've got two frontline units available in each team. And so in the Vader squad, Vader is my frontline unit. And when I mean frontline unit, you can use whatever terminology you want, but someone who's happy to go into the middle, um, go and beat up some people in melee and get beaten up in melee, and it doesn't really matter. They're just there fighting. That's that's their job is a bit of mindless, bit of mindless violence. So two of those, so Vader's the the character in the first one. In the second unit with Mother Talzin at Savage Opress. In the third one, it's kind of a bit of both, actually. It's probably OB2 as the main one, and Lord Maul can do it as well. And in the last one, it's Dooku. 
So that's sort of the frontline stuff. And the last one I've got is the two scoring units per team. And just by nature of how this is played out, being the early sort of game cycle, the, the supporting units are always my sort of scoring bodies. And so I've got the ARF, Super Commandos, Bounty Hunters, and Magnet Guard. And it doesn't really matter what those units are. And I'll refer to my earlier comments that if I don't like fourth sister and fifth brother. It's because they've only got one body. And I get that they can break ties, but I don't know, the 20-odd games I've played with them, 19 of the times I wished I had two bodies. And so that's kind of my rule of two, how I built my my premier format team of always anchoring around Vader and then having in each team two lots of diceless displacement, two lots of frontline fighters, and two lots of scoring bodies. That makes really sense, and I'm really glad that you broke it down that way because I don't know if everyone is building lists taking that concept into account. And so I find that extremely fascinating because maybe people are inadvertently, right? You just take all the good stuff, quote unquote, and you throw those into lists. But with Premiere, I think evenly distributing those displacements and those frontline beaters or fighters or whatever you want to call them makes a lot of sense. And then of course you have units with two supports. I've got a couple questions regarding some of the specifics here. So your squad three, Lord Maul, OB2 and Bounty Hunters, most people in that situation may put in the Nightsister Acolytes. Was there a reason you went Bounty Hunters over them or even the Super Commandos paired with Maul and putting the Nightsisters with Talzin? Yeah, very fair question. It's something I I oscillated on a bit in the sort of lead up to submitting the premier rosters about who goes where and what's my pairings. The Nightsisters... I hadn't been hugely impressed with. I hadn't had a lot of time with them before this event, uh, but the time I did have, I wasn't that impressed. That's not to say they're not very good unit, but from the way I was playing them, it wasn't clicking for me, uh, which is funny because I, I see other people play them and they, they do really well. So I liked the Super Commandos with Talzin for her manipulating hand off their No Mercy. That was kind of my logic there. And the Bounty Hunters, you know, instead of Night Sisters in the Lord Maul squad, Maul's got access to his exposed via his, what's it called? No place to, he can't escape. There's no place, no to, place run. to run. So he's already got the exposed there. And then there's no other exposed synergy in the Maul squad. So I think probably the biggest argument is, and you might be right, is that in the Talzin squad, maybe the Night Sisters go there and, and the Super Commanders replace the Bounty Hunters. And that's probably what I'll do in the future, probably. Were you happy with the performance of the Bounty Hunters? Yeah, I was. I mean, the, the supports are supports. I, I don't really care too much what they do. They're just bodies that go sit on a point, and if they can contribute, fantastic. Outside of the Magna Guard, I think most of the supports are just generically okay. I think the Magna Guard really need a bit of a plan to make them excel, but when they excel, man, they're, they're really good. So you could always toss a coin on many of the supports, and honestly, I, I'm not sure it matters too much if you're not doing a, a full sort of tag synergy like a Galactic Republic and all the coordinated fire spam. I, I'm not sure it matters too much outside of that. Right. That makes sense. And then oftentimes we see this pairing of Vader, Django, and the Magna Guards. Did we keep the ARF clone troopers in there just to give Vader that expose on a stick? Well, a couple of reasons. I, I was initially playing before the this event. I was playing Vader, Kraken, Magna Guard, and Asajj, Django, and well, I forget who else was with them there. But I was playing a lot of Kraken and Magna Guard with Vader, and that was working well until I ran into Lek, who's a guy top four. Um, he absolutely wiped the floor with me in our um, Swiss game in the Oceanic bracket. In that he had all the he had really well played Galactic Republic. 
and a lot of conditions, a lot of pins, a lot of things like that that really neutered the Magna Guard's ability to contribute. Combined with a map that had a lot of um, requirement of climbing, the Magna Guard had a really bad game, and that made me question then, okay, if I have something that's pinned and this and that and that, I would rather something that can contribute. And so for me, that was why I swapped out the Magna Guard and brought in the R because they've got a nice range five gun, which can do some nice things. It hands out a, a pin pretty easily. And it's got the added bonus as well that Vader's really good at one-shotting things, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit later on. But what he doesn't is trying to wound primaries. And so for me, the Arfs can you know, help that problem by allowing him to one-shot primaries as well as the Arfs, as I said, they've got that range five gun and they've got their dash I'm having a bit of a blank, but you can pay the defensive, defensive maneuver. maneuver. So they can multiple forms of mobility and a long-range gun, and they can contribute to Vader doing his murder plan. So for me, whilst they're more fragile, they made sense in how I wanted to approach playing that squad and that team. Well, that makes a lot of sense, and, and I appreciate you breaking that down with your some of your practice before that. So you made this list, and you mentioned the Hello There episode in the past where we talked about how to build a premier team. Was there a particular strategy that you had? Was it, I'm going to play one particular squad every game? Was it, I have two separate pairings? Or did you think that you could kind of just mix and match all of them and and find success? So it was a bit of um, developers and learners I go because I hadn't done a premier format before. And I some of the, the choices I had to make, I was a bit uncomfortable with early because I had time to, you know, in my mind to get sufficient practice to go, hey, this is a good choice or this is not a good choice. Some of it was a little bit unknown. So at the time, I was very keen, and I'm still very keen, on Vader and Telzin as, as a pairing. I think it's very strong. I like Vader and Maul. I also think that's very strong for different reasons. And the the sort of last squad there of Vader and Dooku, that's the one where the jury's out on, and I, I'd probably drop it into the future, if I'm being honest. So my, my plan was to probably try and play Telzin. So we had a top 16, top 8, top 4, and a final, so four games. In my head, I wanted to play Talzin twice, Maul once, and Dooku once. And then how I did that was going to be based on the potential matchup you, know, you faced each week. So you sort of just got to you got to temper that against, hey, how far am I going to make it into this cut? Do I want to play my weak stuff early and potentially get knocked out? Or do you just play all your strong stuff early and try and just make it? And if you've made it, fantastic. And then you'd be left with Dooku in the final. So that's kind of how I approached it in the end. Yeah, and we actually had a very interesting conversation after our game as well, which I'm sure we'll reference, but cool. So we've decided on you know your strategy. We built the list. I guess going into it, were there any matchups that you wanted to avoid? Like were your concerns like looking at the meta and analyzing it and playing those practice games? Did you feel like your list could kind of play into everything or there was something that you were scared of. I wouldn't say scared. I mean, I don't know if scared's the right word, but yeah. I know what you're saying. It's probably the the matchups that I want was not about the teams. It was about the quality of opponent. And so because I'd not played anyone in that cut apart from Olek, who's a, a fellow Australian, he was probably the person I was least looking forward to playing because I know how good he is. And he he really tailed me up. I mean, he tailed me up 2-0 in the Swiss. It was not even a close game, if I'm being honest. So I thought, man, this guy can play, and he's got a really nice team. He plays the Republic really well, being Mason Padme. And the Padme sort of expansion box is is really difficult to deal with if you don't have the right tools. So that was probably the one I I was not looking forward to playing in terms of everyone else because I just hadn't met and played everyone else. I didn't know everyone else how good they were. But that aside, I think the the Premier team that I bought 
plays very well into other sort of dark side and, and evil characters. And I think the meta, I'm not sure what your opinion is, which I'm, I'm sure you'll jump in in a sec, but I think the meta is a bit dark side heavy at the moment. And so I was confident that the team that I bought would do well into the, the dark side and the evil characters of Star Wars. I completely agree. I think much to Jesse's chagrin, some of the best characters are, are just happen to be dark side. I think obviously Vader is one of those characters, but then, you know, Django, Maul, Talzin, Dooku, Grievous, Separatists mm. are doing really well. Well, I think they're, you know, personally, I, I find them easier to play. I struggle with the Galactic Republic. I think there's a lot of synergy there and a lot of sort of bubble auras and ranges and triggers and all sorts of stuff you need to remember and play patterns and this does this. And you're constantly assembling this this goal, you know, this this Rubik's Cube to try and make it work. So if you can master that, it's it's really good. But man, it's it takes a while to figure that out. Yeah, I would agree with you. I definitely think Republic is harder to play. And I think they have issues with like force economy. Separatists don't really have that much and you can mitigate that in other lists, but you know, they're more dependent, I think, on their draw order and then how they utilize that force, right? Especially because their primaries can spend that force very easily. Yep. Good insight. Okay. So you felt like you were pretty prepared. Let's jump into it. So round one, who did you play? How did that game go? We don't have to do like a play by play. I think I'd be more curious into seeing like Maybe some of the big beats and lessons learned like that. Yeah, sure. Yep. So look, the the, the Swiss was um, probably 125 plays across those four time zones or brackets uh, worldwide. And so we did five rounds of that. And the format was the four and ones or better would go into a single elimination cut. And one of the things I did want to say is that only one of the five and O's actually participated in this. I'm not sure what happened and why some of the others didn't, but there are a number from uh, Europe and East Bracket and, and West as well who didn't participate. So shout out to those guys that you know, you'd probably be interviewing them had they actually played in, 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 the, in the event. But that was the, the form. So the top 16, I played Leaf from Canada, who he and I have played a number of games of MCP together over the years in cuts. So I played Vader and Talzin into his Vader and Maul. I managed to win 2-1 and I finished with five wounds and he had four wounds. Was there like any lessons learned during that game or like any cool moments? For me, Talzin excelled there. I think Talzin's quite a good selection into an opposing Vader. And so I was pretty happy when he dropped Vader and Maul in that Talzin, you know, she, she does some good work. But that one game wasn't recorded, so I, I didn't get a chance to watch that back. And to be honest, that's now about five or six weeks ago, so I'm a bit fuzzy on it. Oh, no worries. Okay, that makes sense. So I guess moving into round two... We played one another. Yes. And so what are, what were some of your thoughts going to that matchup? And then I guess, you know, we could both talk about it, but I think there were some, there were some fun moments in that game. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had you, I mean, I think you mentioned this on your cast one or two episodes ago is that you'd sort of picked out what I was going to play and I in my head picked out what you were going to play. I was a bit worried about this matchup because I thought it had a, you made some excellent choices in, in Telson and Maul to play into what I ran being Vader and Maul. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to have a fantastic draw order. It was really, really good. Probably the best draw order of the event for me was that game, much to your, I suppose, chagrin at the time. But um, that really helps sort of the my side win 2-1. And then I think I had four wounds to your three, so it was pretty even there. But for me, the highlights really were the, the Django off that we had with each other. That was kind of comical in, in many ways and sort of highlighted maybe some issues with Django, question mark. Yeah, yeah. I think that was actually really funny because 
I had tried to put you in that trap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the trap like 100% backfired <laughs> because I'm not sure what happened, man, but it was like, okay, I think I can steal a, steal a turn from him by killing his Vader or wounding his Vader rather. And maybe that can help me secure struggle three. And then you did this great play, which I hadn't even considered where you dashed your Vader through Obi-Wan through his run ability, dazed him because he left combat from my supermandos, right? So such a niche interaction that you were able to pinpoint and figure out to where now not only am I not going to be able to steal a turn from you, but now your Vader is not even a unit you have to worry about because he's going to come back, you know, full health and everything. That was walled in, um, you're about to get to the next part, which I'll, I'll let you finish when the, the two Jangos staring at each other. Yeah, no, that was crazy because then at that point, it's like, all right, Django off, you know, whoever's Django kind of activates first is is at a disadvantage, right? But we had both kept the reserve open in case that situation may have arised. But then I think at one point, somehow your Django has the opportunity to not so fast my mall and Django. And when I realized that, I said, oh man, like draw order is really going to kick my butt if I'm not able to kind of pivot my way out of this scenario and i think at that point i had kind of just been like i think he has me and then i remember on the left hand side i was like maybe i can keep this game going and struggle three and i told you this i said if you don't draw maul i think i can keep going but if you get maul it's over yep <laughs> famous last words and, and then you got him man yeah my draw order was exceptional that game it was one of those dream it was like playing golf you know did you play golf at all yeah i do actually uh, I wouldn't say that I'm good at it. Well, perfect. This I is try. even a better analogy then. So you're going to have a terrible day at playing, you know, walking around the golf course. But if you hit one good shot, you would remember that, you know, it'll just stay with you for weeks until you, it won't make you want to go play again. And I feel like that's like the draw order of a, a team in Shatterpoint. You get one good draw order, you're like, man, that team is awesome. Yeah, it keeps you going. It motivates you. I completely agree. I think, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I chalk that game up to I made mistakes and, you know, you didn't. and then the variables, the things you can't control do matter in situations like that because it's a very high skill game at that point, right? Mm. So even if you take draw order out of it, though, I just made two mistakes that were blatant, I think. Yeah. And you didn't. That's that's a that's a mature and reasonable assessment, I think. Yep. I loved that game. So at that point, you're in the top four. Mm -hmm. Did you expect to make it that far? Were you excited? What was your thought process going into it? Uh, look, to be honest, I didn't know how I was going to go in the single eliminations. I'm still relatively new, as is most people, to Shadow Point. So you know, when I play whatever event I'm playing competitively, I always want to make a cut to whatever that cut looks like. And then once you make the cut, my next goal or the next stretch goal is to make the top four. I think that's a, a good sense of accomplishment. And then if you make the top four, the next is obviously to, to win the 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 event but so i was pretty happy to be in the top four i was playing got matched up against oleg so my fellow countryman the upside was a the one matchup you did yeah, that's right. right so exactly so the upside was one you know we're gonna have an australian representation in the final which was good so i was happy with that but i was disappointed that one of us also had to bow out and as i mentioned before i respect him immensely as a as a player i mean i've not met him in person i, I will probably in an event we're going to have in january coming up I'm sure he's a great person, but as a player, he's he's very talented, and he absolutely whooped me in in Swiss. So I was a bit concerned about how I would fare in the rematch. But I did a bit of soul searching and some Sith meditation since he beat me so soundly, and 
I think I managed to come back and reapproach that game a bit better than I did the first time. So I played Vader and Maul into his Mace and Padme, which is a very good team. And I managed to win that 2-1. And this was actually a bit of a, a damage game for me where I got eight wounds through to his five. And do you chalk those wounds up to just Vader or was it just kind of... No, kind of- no, Vader. In fact, we can talk about Vader's wound stuff a bit later on, but Vader didn't do much wounding at all for the finals. I think in that game, he, he activated three times, did three attacks and landed two wounds. So, you know, he did 25% of the, the team's wounds. You know, I think three wounds for Vader is, is a big game for Vader. One or two, or one's probably quiet and two's maybe about average. So I think I just, Lord Maul was, was the MVP in that one from memory. I love to hear it. He's good. I love that. So did you expect to see a Republic player make it that far? Obviously, you've spoken very highly of your of your countryman, Oleg. Mm. Uh, to me, like I was surprised personally that Republic had made it that far. And so I was just curious, like, what is your current thought process on the state of Republic in the game right now? I mean, we've talked about already that the dark side characters are a little bit more popular and, and, and stronger, maybe, as you said, easier to play. But that could be a contributing factor. But were you surprised or were you just expected that there would be at least one Republic player? Uh, not surprised at all. In fact, I, I had I like sort of pegged to win the event based on mm. his ability as a player, but also I think the Mason Padme team, there's a whole bunch of other Republic teams, by the way, that are good. That's not the only one. It plays, it's very hard to play into it when your opponent plays it well. So that wasn't surprising. You know, re sort of hashing what we touched before is that you know, maybe when the game first came out, a lot of people were doing the Anakin and Obi and were learning the game and sort of fumbling around. At least this is me personally. So I was fumbling around with the Republic, not playing well, not using their synergies well, not understanding their method of activations, their you know, range bubbles and their sequential triggers that they need to, and also just learning general positioning. I sucked at all of that. So here I am playing Republic going, man, these Republic are, are no good. These clones are rubbish. But actually it was me that was rubbish. And then I sort of abandoned them for the, uh, the, the lure of the dark side and the, the easy, the easy path to victory being Vader strolling up and swacking someone with his saber. So I think maybe other players are in similar spots of maybe we dabbled a bit with Republic, but have moved on and then haven't revisited Republic now that our powers have grown and we've learned a little bit more about the game. But those players who have persisted with Republic and have mastered them. I think can absolutely win events and, and can dominate dominate games through really strong Republic play. And I don't disagree with you. I think for me particularly, I do struggle with the support options with Republic. Have you? Do you think they are lacking in that regard, or is it just people haven't put in the work like Oleg has, maybe perhaps? Yeah. So I don't think the supports are lacking. I mean, I, I like the AFs. I play the AFs outside of Republic. I think the I personally enjoy the Republic Commandos through the access to scale and the Handmaidens, whilst I don't like any part of the Padme box for the aesthetic of it, I just think it's ridiculous. I'm sorry for Padme fans, but those Handmaidens are absolute nightmares to play against. So I think their supports are actually really good. I suppose it's just the way we think about how they're used and the way I think about how they're used is coordinated fire spam virtually and bodies on points. And if you want that, I mean, they do it better than anyone else. Fair enough. Okay. So you make it to the final. Mm -hmm. You're playing against Kevin. So he's one of our executive producers for Hello There. And, and we, we love the guy. We, we talk to him all the time. But before this, you had kind of put yourself into a corner with your premiere list. 
you had already played Tals and Invader, and then you played Vader and Maul against me. And I remember us talking about your potential top four matchup, right? And in that matchup, you played Vader and Maul again. But you alluded to this at the beginning of the episode where it's like, do I just play whatever's going to get me into the final and then try to wing it from there? Or do I play everything and then give myself the best chance to win in the final if I make it there, right? What was that thought process like for you? Because I think it's such an interesting facet of the premiere format, right? You cannot escape your destiny. And in a sense, you didn't, right? Although you perhaps fulfilled your destiny by winning the league and the top cut. So walk us through that. Mm. No, you're exactly right in that, in my mind, the Vader Dooku was my weakest team. And I was looking for opportunities to play it earlier, but because I'd never played Leaf yourself, I didn't know, you know, how you played your teams. I didn't know any of sort of that stuff. So I, I couldn't, in my mind, risk running my weakest team against really strong players who have made an elimination cut. And I couldn't find any real flaws in your team. So, you know, if someone sort of turned up with a bit of a meme team, maybe that's when you'd drop Vader Dooku and try and get away with it. But sound players with sound teams, I, I, in my mind, I'd to play something that was was worthy of the game. And then versus Olek, I mean, I just don't think Vader and Dooku would have been good enough. So I thought, okay, let's just try and make the finals. And then if I make it, so be it. I'll, I'll either play Vader and Talzin and forfeit because I didn't I didn't escape my destiny, or I'll I'll die in my Dooku sword and, and see how he goes. But that that was kind of it. it. Was just let's try and make it with our best teams available and then i'll play with what remains in in the final and so one aspect that you and kevin i feel like you guys did a great job of communicating and agreeing upon i suppose the code of conduct for the battle right for the final the rules of engagement in that you guys had agreed on chess clocks you had agreed on a certain time in the chess clocks you had agreed on the no take backs and things like that like do you find that to be really helpful when setting up events, like, do you find that people are receptive to that? I mean, you also reached out to me and and we, you know, I hadn't ever used chess clocks with Shatterpoint mm. up until that moment, right? And obviously we had used them in MCP, but I found one hour to be more than enough time. And did you find 45 minutes to be enough? Mm. I did. Um, great point. I'll circle back to your, your point next. I think it's a really, really excellent one you've made. But yeah, so f- for me, I've managed, you know, play reasonably quickly in Shatterpoint. And so... Honestly, I could probably play in 30 minutes, maybe 25, but that's that's pushing it, especially on TTS. We got a little bit of you know, lag and the rest of it. But I think for, for general games, one hour on a chess clock is more than enough. And I think the, the thing that's holding people back is either biases from other game systems that they might carry over. A lot of ex-War Machine players sort of start twitching, but some of them enjoy it. And also the, the fear of the unknown. If you haven't played on them before, um, there can be perceived pressure around it and perceived cognitive load about having to click a button. But you know, once I started learning to play on them, I far more enjoy it now because it takes pressure off. If someone's playing, I'm not going to say slow play because that is hugely subjective and you can never call people out and it's just it's a nightmare. We all know that from our gaming experiences. But if you're on a shared timer and someone is playing slowly, you have an option as a player to either be polite, say nothing, and just nod and smile. Meanwhile, they drain the clock and probably have the advantage. Or you can risk confrontation and souring relationships and say, hey, look, mate, you need to speed it up. And I'll do that. I'll tell people to speed up. It's rarely received well, but I'll do it. 
So for me, playing on chess clocks is takes all that away in that you can do whatever you want on your time because I just don't care because you've got your time and I've got my time. So that's, the I suppose, the point around the chess clocks. I want to circle back to the, the pre-game discussions, but I'll, I'll let you have a, have a chat about the chess clocks and your thoughts. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think, you know, I appreciate you following up with me as well to talk about it because I felt like, you know, we went to struggle three and although struggle three may have ended faster than I would have liked, I think we still had like, what, 22, yeah. 23 minutes on the clock? Like that's more than Heaps. enough. Yeah. And we, we weren't, we weren't playing. I, I don't, I don't feel we were playing at a, a breakneck speed. I thought we were just playing at a, a nice pace that enabled consideration decision-making when you needed it, and straightforward moves for the rest of the time. I thought it was, you know, very appropriate. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I really like how they've mandated that in the, the next league. Big fan. It, w- it won't suit everyone, and many people might be put off by it, and that's that's okay. You never pre- please everyone in life, but I think especially for especially for online and potentially international games where you might have dinner organized with your family or something organized in the day, it's, it's just good to have a clock on it to go, hey, you know what? This is going to take this amount of time and we're both going to have equal access to that time and then we're done and it's going to be fair and nothing does that like a chess clock. Hey, Iman, are you happy if I circle back to your initial point about pre-game discussion and getting the, I yeah. suppose, the, the rules of engagement? I would love to. So this is really fascinating. I'm really glad you brought that up. One of the things I've found in, in real-life gaming, it doesn't matter what game system, is that unless you know the person and have few games in with them on, on numerous occasions is that you can bring different biases, you can bring different expectations and understandings of the rules and, and what is acceptable or not. And if you've never played that person before, it can lead to some confrontation unless you are willing to let things slide. And mostly it's about rules. And especially with a game that's so young, like Shatterpoint, I think that's magnified. And I think it's it's probably mostly highlighted on TTS because Often you don't have the verbal, the sorry, the physical cues to read people's body language and the like, and you don't really understand the, I suppose, the tone of what's going on, which can lead to some negative experiences sometimes, which I've, I've heard a lot about and I've experienced some myself and I'm sure others have experienced it with me. And so what I've found is that for me personally, speaking to my opponents before the game saying, hey, look, this is a competition, so let's let's box the conversation around that. And here are the rules for this competition. Do you agree that we follow this of missed opportunities and just all the things they lay out in their documents? And I find if you get both people to, doesn't matter what you agree to, as long as you have consensus between the two of you of what you agree to, it removes almost all the potential for, oh, I'll just do a little take back there or I'll just fudge that move. Yeah, hang on, mate. Actually, we agreed not to do that. Oh, yes, you're right. Sorry. We won't do that. My bad. So... I've found that the problems with games come up when you don't have these discussions and your opponent expects you to allow them to take, you know, take backs or fudge movement or fudge range measuring. And it just doesn't feel good for anyone, especially when you call them out and they take offense to it. So I'm sorry, I've spoken for a lot here, but this is what I do now is trying to talk to people and say, hey, what's our mutual expectations for the game? Let's set the ground rules, which is already set by AMG, by the way, but let's set it between us and let's follow it and i find the games are fantastic they're both they're just it's gentlemanly or gentlewomanly there's a woman playing and it's enjoyable because you're not trying to stress about rule mistakes or pulling people up or being confrontational about look you're not allowed to do that etc etc no i i think that's well said and i completely agree i think clarity is very important especially because you're right you're not seeing the body language you're not 
understanding their, you're not seeing what they're seeing and you can't see how they're reacting and tone can be misconstrued, right? So I completely agree. And I think that was really helpful. And, and I spoke to Kevin about it and Kevin said he really appreciated that conversation. And, you know, I think you both found yourselves in a situation where you had both hemmed yourselves into a particular list with him as, I believe it was Vader Cad and you, it was Vader and Dooku. So how did that game go? I thought Kevin had the better team, if I'm being honest. I was thought I was a bit behind the eight ball with Vader Dooku. Dooku, I think, is situationally great, but relies on a good draw order. You, I think you need to get him, depends on the team, but in the team that I had him in, you need to draw him early to be relevant. So, yeah, I played the Vader Dooku into his Vader Cad Bane. Uh, I managed to win that 2-0, which was a bit lucky, and we got five wounds apiece. And for me, you know, again, I think the best draw order of the event was versus you, but I think versus Kevin, I got really fortunate on losing the priority role and having a really good draw order again, which had those things not occurred, maybe you'd be speaking to Kevin now. That makes sense. And I think what kind of led you to take that 2-0? I, unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch the game yet, but I will say if you're interested in watching these games, there's this really nice YouTube channel called Sydney City Space Lux. That's it. That's a mouthful. <laughs> and all of the games are available to watch on YouTube. They have been streamed with some excellent commentary as well, so check them out. The individual who is in charge of the channel, I believe, is goes by the name of the Harp Daddy on Discord. Tom Harper, the Harp Daddy. He uh, He's one of the admins for the TTS League as well. Wonderful human being. One of my favorites. Yeah, he's super, he's super fun and, and nice to chat to. And we had originally discussed myself helping him commentate your final, but unfortunately timing didn't work out because I was in Europe. But man, I'm looking forward to watching it. What do you think led to your, to you know, not letting Kevin grab a struggle? Was it kind of Vader doing Vader things? I mean, what what kind of contributed to that? Mm, so both of our Vaders had really quiet games. And for people who are concerned that Vader might be too strong, this might be a good game to watch because there's a little bit of Vader counterplay in there. But our Vaders were both really quiet. And for my mind, this game was about the the secondaries and the supports. And so I think what allowed me to swing it was, so a combination is that, um, so I'd lost priority, which kind of means you're going to win struggle one most of the time. And then for struggle two, I got quite fortunate on the priority objective roles that they sort of turned up just enough times to keep me in the struggle. Normally, I'll, I'll just abandon struggle two completely, but it kept turning up in the right spot for me to be tempting enough to keep playing for it. And then, you know, I just had the the right tools. I had the right displacement. I had the right frontline fighters and I had the right sort of scoring bodies at the right time. And, you know, I don't think 2-0 is a good reflection of you know, in terms of the game. I, I don't feel like I dominated the game and I'm, I'm that much of a better player than it. I think I just got a little bit fortunate to allow that 2-0 to occur. I think, as I said, if a few things had changed, he could have uh, two-zipped me and you could be speaking to him now. So... Do you think force was a factor in that game? I mean, you're looking at eight force versus his six. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, force is always a factor. It's hard with Cad Bane because I have limited experience with him, but the experience that I do have is that if you are not wounding characters, then you're struggling on force. So it can be a problem if you're not getting enough wounds. Kevin was doing enough wounds, I think, and he... He was low on force, which was problematic, but he did a couple of nice nice wounds at the right time to keep his sort of force train going. But having eight is, I mean, on my side, is spectacular. I mean, that's eight is do whatever you want time, which is awesome, right? Which has got to be, there's got to be an upside of taking Dooku. 
if I think he's a bit of an anchor, then he's got to have an upside. No, absolutely. Now, we've talked about Barris a little bit, but Jesse and I are big fans of Barris and the fact that that force push is amazing and, and getting it for free under Vader is is like, oh, chef's kiss. Did you find her to pull her weight in the game? She did. I've played many games with Barris now, and out of the many games, it is rare that she pulls her weight. I put a lot of that down to me or the pilot error, and then I'm not playing her correctly. But I've learned to not use the Vader, the extra damage, you know, Vader's hatred on her because she turns fragile to, I don't know, cellophane, a bit of paper. She's a wet paper. <laughs> she just dies with six health. So I use her for her mobility in the force push that's outside of the outside of the, the combat tree. And that game, she was really good. She moved from one side of the board to the other, pushed someone away, kept Jenko out of the fight from one side of the board to the other, wounded someone, pushed someone. So she had a good game in that one. Yeah. It's rare, but she had a good one. That's awesome. And it's really cool to see characters that may be controversial, right, in terms of people's success or their interest or how highly they rate them. and them to play such a pivotal role in a final means that maybe there's something a little bit more to them. Oh, look, absolutely. And we go back to what we spoke about earlier of there's only seven characters at the moment that offer diceless displacement, and she's one of two as a secondary. So while she's got some drawbacks, as most characters do, she's got some really big upsides and, you know, put her in the right pairing with enough force, like Dooku and Beta, she can potentially shine. 100% very well said. So Congratulations on winning the TTS Elimination League and I guess our first league champion, which is amazing, honestly, especially because of your storied background with AMG games and, and Star Wars games as well. And so I have some follow-up questions in regards to maybe how you're viewing the game state. You mentioned earlier that, you know, you alluded to the fact that maybe some people might think that Vader is this very strong piece. What are your thoughts on him? Because I think he's been quite divisive, right? Obviously, when you pair him with Grievous, he can do really well. You pair him with certain characters. And I believe one of my friends recently described this. Vader's identity pretty much says characters get their full tree. And while I think that's a bit of a hyperbole, it's not far off because it does skew how far you can go up the tree, right? Do you think Vader is a little too strong or he's identity is a bit too ubiquitous i mean you and kevin both made vader your vader your linchpins during this cut yeah a fascinating question and i sort of wrote down a couple of dot points on some stuff to try and make it a little bit i suppose factual it's difficult as well because i you know declaring your biases i love darth vader as a character and i love playing him in the game so naturally my bias would be probably towards to defend him and i've just won a large event running so for me to say, yes, he's overpowered and needs a nerf sort of could be construed as to attack my own ego that it wasn't me, the player, it was, it was Vader I was taking. So acknowledging all of that, man, uh, the game's four months old and Vader has a number, of, a number of positive things that he has going for him. So I had a little look on the long chance rated data. At 725 games, Vader is sitting at 55% win rate. Which, and I don't know, I mean, you've probably been gaming for much longer than I have, but I think the sweet spot, generally speaking, for gaming is between 45 and 55% as win rates. Is that sort of something you would generally agree with? I would, yeah. So for me, if it's sitting at 55%, personally, taking all the, you know, is Vader OP aside, I think that win rate is perfect for him because I view him as the iconic villain of all time in anything. So for him to be a strong character sitting in that nice, neat 55% win rate, 
I think that's perfect. In terms of sort of him as a as a unit in the game at the moment, four or five months in, so standalone, I think he's a very strong unit. There's no question. He has high mobility, which is unusual for the theme of Vader. He's normally portrayed as a bit slow and menacing. So he's high mobility. He has consistent put on his melee attacks, and he can increase the melee output of others in the team. Now, the interesting point you did mention around the melee of, of others in the team, being hatred makes you powerful. I am far colder on this ability for anyone but him, usually. I think you can spam this ability and you can get good rolls on your tree, but it's also basically saying your character has minus two health. Or if you have a two-character unit, your unit has minus four health. So there are pros and cons, and the more I've played him, the more I will judiciously use this ability. And most often, I only use it on himself or the frontline fighters, I go back to that rule of two, the, the rule of two in my team construction, I will use it on those characters only. So in my team of, of six units, two of them I'll, I'll aim to use this ability on, and the other four I won't. That's just personal. Some may disagree, and that's fine. A couple of other points on Vader from my perspective is that I think he has limited tag synergy at the moment. And you might say, well, he's got Galactic Republic and the rest of it. I don't think he is a very good Galactic Republic character in a Galactic Republic team, personally. This could be because I'm not a very good player in Galactic Republic, so I could be wrong. But he is a bit of a standalone character that you can build anywhere, and he's a bit of an odd fit. So he's difficult, I think, to build a strong team around him because he's got some weird synergies. Um, but overall, his role, in my mind, is one-shotting supports. Like That is his bread and butter. And Outside of Anakin, arguably, um, Vader is the best at it. He just one-shot supports. That's what he does. And so if all of those things lead people to think he's overpowered and needs adjustment, then that's fine. Personally, I think he's quite one-dimensional, and therefore if you're one-dimensional, it allows you tools and options to play around. That's interesting, and I don't necessarily disagree with you either. I think Vader is very one-dimensional. He's very predictable. And I think there is a lot of conjecture surrounding whether he is a bit too strong. And while I might disagree with you on some points, I think when looking at the data, you're right. He's actually sitting at a 54% right now, so he has dropped a tad, mm-hmm. which further lends credence to some of your points here. And that that's probably a great spot. I mean, and also AMG have used this example with Hulk before, right? I think Pagani said this on a podcast, but he said, if someone was to ask me, like who the best character in the game is, and I said Hulk, they would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense, right? Because Hulk is amazing in Marvel. Mm. And while we're not necessarily saying that Vader is the best primary, right? Again, that's subjective. If hypothetically someone said, hey, Vader is the best primary, probably some person newer to the game would be like, yeah, that makes sense. It's Darth Vader. Yeah, I I think you're right. And look, one of the points I think you guys made on your cast a while back, I'm keen to talk about Vader and Grievous as a bit of a tangent a bit later, but One of the points you guys made on your podcast mentioning Vader is that I think the experience changes as your experience as a player changes. So if you're a new player, you're playing against Vader, you can think, what on earth just happened? If you're an intermediate player, you can think, geez, he's strong. I'm getting a bit sick of playing into this play pattern. But then that will then grow you into a more advanced player. You go, well, I know exactly what this Vader character is about, and I'll I'll counterplay it. I'll play around it. So it's difficult in that aspect, in my mind, looking from a, a as competitive aspect as possible in that I don't competitively Vader is a problem at all, but I can see why people 
in who are newer to the game or you know not as skilled at the game as we're learning could view it as a big problem. And so I think it's it's got to be acknowledged that, and this could be wrong by the way, but it's got to be acknowledged that the way you, the lens you view the game and the experience you have with it and against it might heavily influence how you view Vader as a character. I think that's fair. So talking about Vader a little bit more, what do you think are some great ways to counter Vader? Yeah, great question. And happy to share my thoughts on this. In fact, one of the regular guys I play at my local store was getting a bit of uh, gloomy on Vader and would play games and he would just be a bit of a loss, a bit of exasperated going, what's going wrong? What am I doing? Why, Why does this keep happening? And so, and he's a very good player, by the way, but he just had a bit of a mental block about how to get past this beta problem. And so we had a bit of a discussion and I offered him some ideas for him to consider and maybe incorporate. And these, you know, not saying these are work and, and this is the, the gospel, but here are some options for players to consider. So the first is strategic options, which is really in your team building. So Vader, in my mind, is great at one-shotting supports. That's not going to change. Magna Guard are the strongest against him because he's you know, 52% chance to one-shot them, I think, varying some other stuff, but thereabouts. But everyone else, for supports, he one-shots them. For primaries, Vader is not very good into primaries at all. So almost all the primaries are, are decent into him, but particularly Ahsoka, Dooku, Talzin, and to a lesser extent, Luminara at the moment. And that's because they have abilities that mitigate Vader through damage or displacement or, or things like that. So that's the first bit is strategic team building. I'll pause there before we get into the sort of tactical employment, but do you have any comments on the strategic side? No, I think I think that makes sense. Cool. So in terms of tactically then, so we're talking about how you've rocked up to the game with your team. Now, what can we do on the table? So our tactics. So the first is deployment. Now, this is depending on the priority role, but if you have some weak source characters who you don't want to get one shot by Vader, if you have the opportunity, don't deploy them opposite Vader in your lanes. It's very simple and a little bit reliant on you know, priority and whatever else, but that's just a very straightforward one. The second one, if that fails, is you can do a refused flank. So a refused flank, if, you, if, you, if you're a listener and you're, you're visualizing yourself at a table right now, and on your left-hand side, on your opponent's side, as you look at it, so your left hand on your opponent's side is their Vader, instead of blindly moving your characters up into the middle right in front of Vader, instead move your characters over to the right using your superior mobility to capture some objectives over to the right-hand side and refuse that flank. So Vader then can't go and one-shot something right in front of him. So that's a tactic you can do. And if you want to have a bit of a look at that as an example, I think it's worth, well worth watching the final when Kevin and I played in that I did a bit of a ref- refused flank against his Vader. And then the, the final bit really is you can do the conditions. And this is where I think Republic excel against Vader in that they're very good at pinning him, they're good at disarming him, and strain to a lesser extent as well is problematic. So I think those things combined... Predictable play patterns from Vader. We know what he does. You can build in some things in your team. You can look at deployment. You can look at some tactics of refused flank, and you can look at some select conditions, especially pin. And then all of a sudden, this boogeyman who keeps killing everything might play a game where he wounds one unit. And you're like, well, is it that bad if he just wounds one unit? I don't know. That's fair. I think that makes a lot of sense as well. I mean, denying Vader targets is such a great way of mitigating how he affects your game plan and the battlefield do you find that there are particular units that also work really well with them because i think one of the benefits or one of the strengths of vader rather is you know at the end of the day whenever it's his activation he can just double advance right Mm. so he's such a fast character which is a bit ironic in some instances Mm. how do you 
do you ever try to just displace him? Like, do you think talls in or, or force pushes really help there? Or do you find that that's not really much of a factor? So, yeah, in terms of him specifically, the tells and piece is more about responding to him wounding your characters. So not about displacing him because of that. That at him, I mean, he's got outrageous mobility. Like, it really is. That's To me, that's the bit that, if anything's a question mark, he's so mobile, which enables the rest of it to work. But the, the Talzin piece of playing into him is great. Vader's gone up and he's slayed some hapless, you know, clone trooper. Fantastic. Well, Talzin gets a trigger and then displaces him off the objective and you score no points. So that part of it, I think, is another way to counterplay him is great. You can do murder, but I'm still going to score the points, which is a classic sort of gaming concept that I think AMG has done really well in, in MCP. And it's carried over into this as well. Yeah, well said. I completely agree. I think Talzin is certainly a piece that helps there. Now, moving on to the list a little bit, I mean, we've, we've talked about Vader quite a bit, and, and we do tend to talk about Vader a lot on this podcast, so I don't want to think that that's the one topic that <laughs> we love to uh, have a bit of conjecture about. But in our game specifically, we had this, like, you know, Reservoir Dog-style face-off with Django and Django. Yeah. Do you find Django to be another character that is overperforming? Again, Unfortunately, we can't take a look at Longshank's data here, even though I've made multiple requests to see if we could get secondary and supporting data. How do you feel about Django? Do you think he's just too good not to play? I do. I think my subjective experience as at October 23 of four or five months into the game, there is a strong argument that value for money or bang for buck, Django might be the best character. He's got superb mobility. He's got diceless displacement above average expertise and damage potential, above average defensive expertise and damage mitigation potential, access to the situationally insane, <laughs> not so fast, force refresh and heal access, and he requires no synergy or, or opponent assistance to make work. I mean, some of these characters like Vader and others, you almost need some sort of synergy or you need your opponent to play into your game plan. Whereas Django, man, there's... He doesn't need any support, and it's really, really hard, if not impossible, to play around him unless you bring specific tools to, to deal with him. So I think you're absolutely right. I think there needs to be a really good argument about why you are not taking him in your team if you want to compete and play the best team. Yeah, it's, I'm glad that you've kind of come to the same conclusion there because, yeah, he feels really good sometimes, and I can't tell you how many times I've won off the backs of a not-so-fast Agreed. Uh, I've also found that having said that, like I've I've played games with him where he's done next to nothing. So it's not like he's this yeah. monster. I'm not sure what your experience is, but when he's good, he's superb. And when he's bad, he's just like every other character. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of that is also the nature of Shatterpoint, right? Where order deck giveth, order deck taketh. Mm. Sometimes, you know, like Django might be on the left side of the board. You win struggle one, your opponent picks the right side of the board to fight over mm. Right. And it's like, well, Django's turn now is moving over or maybe staying on this side to help plan for struggle three. Or maybe you just bottom deck him both struggles. Right. So you maybe get two activations over the course of a game. So completely agree. Now you've so you've won now. Right. Which is very exciting. Congrats again. Going into the next league, obviously, you know, there's the premier format that is something to consider in the top cuts. But prior to that, are you going to experiment with anything different? Like, are you done with this dark side list? Are you going to replace, keep the list and replace Dooku? Like, what are your thoughts going into it? And you don't necessarily have to share too much. Obviously, things will change. But 
are you going to maybe try playing separatists or republic instead? Yeah, so I'm actually on the fence whether I'm going to play season two. I'll circle back to my earlier comments about trying to temper my obsession with games. And we've just, you know, I've just done a, was it a nine week league effectively? And then there's a week off and then straight back into it. So I'm a little bit concerned of, of going back down the same rabbit hole of MCP and X Wing and becoming obsessed. So I'm just juggling that in my mind at the moment of do I play or do I not? I might actually end up playing in the East Bracket, to be honest, playing with some Americans. I've really enjoyed sort of playing the US guys. Having said all that, I play, so I play, you know, one night a week, sometimes two nights a week at, at the game store. And that's where I'll do all my experimenting and testing and playing Republic and Separatists and everything else. For TTS, because it's a rated sort of competitive event, I'll play what I'm most familiar with. And at the moment, that's still beta. So it's open open list so there's no premier format at the moment for the Swiss so I'd, I'd probably keep playing Vader and I'd probably just rotate around what I play with him I'll probably play a little bit of Vader Plo Koon I think that's a pretty nice pairing I'll try out some some separatists I've not done any reps with the new mission pack at all yet I don't have any thoughts on what could be really strong on that like it could be droids and maybe droids is the matter for a bit so that's kind of where my head's at now which is not very definitive at all is it no, it's not, but it's also, it's a great answer, right? In that it's everything is depends and that's truly what it comes down to. I think I agree with you. I think Plo is a great pairing with Vader. It's very exciting to see, you know, you unlock his tree through Vader a little bit more and then he has those built-in recovers. And while his identity isn't too exciting, it's the fact that he's a tanky boy with recovers and a force push, right? Mm. It's pretty nice. Mm. Yeah, he's he, he looks cool. I'm, I'm really keen to see the wolf pack and I assume it's Commander Wolf or whoever he's called with him. So that'd be a, that'd be a nice release when that comes out. Yeah. I guess my question to you is hypothetically, if you were going to play a Republic premier list, what four primary Republics would you pick? Ooh, well, because I'm a Vader fan and he's got the Republic tag, Vader would be one of them. I'm not saying that's the best Republic, but that's what I would do. I'll do Vader, Obi, Mace, and Plo Koon. Can I do Plo Koon or is it because he's spoiled? He's Yeah. yeah. Probably Padme is legal in the league. league. Probably Padme is probably better in there somewhere. Probably for Vader, to be honest. But as I said, I, I have a a strong dislike of the the Padme aesthetic from those silly looking Nabooians. So I wouldn't play that. Yeah, Vader, Obi, Mace, and I mean, I, I dig it. The interesting question with that list is who gets the ARFs and who gets the five hundred first. Uh, Vader can have the arfs because I wouldn't play Mace that much. Fair enough. I mean, it's just one game. Yeah, right? I mean, you could just say you swap Vader for Anakin, right? I think, man, talk about damage and comparisons and stuff. I, I kind of scratch my head sometimes that Anakin and Vader are very similar in what they do, except the upside of Anakin is much higher. And I wonder, wonder why Anakin's win rate is the lowest in Longshanks at 43%, but he's in many, many ways very, very similar to Vader. I think a lot of that has to do with what you said earlier, right? Is that people buy the core box. They're like, oh, I'll play Anakin with, with Obi-Wan. And then I think also in the initial stages of the game, the Separatist machine was a little bit more well-oiled. Uh, uh, I think with the release of Padme and Mace, Republic has more tools to combat. But in the beginning, Dooku Grievous Asajj was pretty dirty. Oh, yeah. Right? Dooku Asajj, man. That's smoking. What about you, Aman? What, what are you thinking for the next league? Are you, where's your hit at? The thing is, is that I've played a lot of dark side stuff already, and I was fortunate to pilot a lot of my two favorite characters, honestly, thus far, Maul and Vader. And I think for me, 
I need to be able to, especially as a content creator, as I'm sure you're aware, be a little bit more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I've played into Separatist and Republic quite a bit, I think I'm going to just commit to one of them for the next league. I, I guess benefit of, of Hello there is we have our patron league as well. So we get we get 28 in the last league. So nice. I'm hoping we'll get to 32 this time around. So, And they voted for Premier Format, which is amazing, ah, unanimously. Okay. So I think I'll be able to have that expression or that change in one of the leagues. But I'm also a little concerned with burnout or or how serious I'm taking it, right? Because yeah. I'll be in two leagues concurrently. That's that's a lot. So, that's a lot. Would you do Premier Format? Would you do one team droid optimized or separatist optimized and one team republic optimized? I've thought about it. Yeah, I think I would probably do like a Dooku Grievous and yeah. then like either a Mace Padme or a Plo Koon and an OB or a Plo Koon and a Vader. Yeah. I think that could bond. That would be strong. That Yeah. Uh, that If I was you that's and you wanted to branch out, I'll do one of each because that way you can. there's no overlap of, you know, you, you can optimize each team, which is, I think, really strong. Yeah, and you can always, you know, on the off chance, you can always just pair Vader and Grievous together too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, want to stomp some new players, throw those two together. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not against the new players, but maybe against the Kevins and the Jessies and things like that. Maybe I can try, but no, I think that's kind of where I'm headed. I, I think it's important to to enjoy the game in all its forms, especially because it doesn't seem like we're going to get any more releases until the end of maybe end of the year. I think they mentioned spring. I, I don't want to speak for AMG. I don't know their schedule. Mm. I don't know their calendar, but. They historically don't release stuff in December, right? So, mm. yeah, which is disappointing, but I mean, also gives us something to look forward to, I suppose. But yeah, so might as well play with what we have, play with all my toys before they release new toys. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. There may be a scenario in which I try to make Anakin work as well, but I like that. I've got a um, with well, the Harp Daddy. We spoke about Tom Harper. He's a, a big Anakin fan and doing very, very well with Anakin. I think he's won a couple of you know more local events with it. Uh, what's he what's his list is it just Anakin Obi Anakin Obi yeah yep but does it I mean there's a few crazy. Yeah, there's a few different pairings you can do with Anakin I, I've played a little bit with Anakin I, I do want to play some more and it's sort of it's on theme right because I can still in my mind say that he's Vader it's like the it's his down it's, it's Revenge of the Sith Anakin which I can get behind so maybe I'll play a bit of that yeah it, it is Revenge of the Sith Anakin right because he's not wearing the armor in the Clone yeah, Wars yeah yeah yep yeah that's so interesting. I actually got a, a 3D printed Vader. He's wearing the hood. It's when he's storming the Jedi Temple. Amazing. In Revenge of the Sith. And so I want to use him as my Vader because sometimes the Vader with the clone troopers and the other Jedi kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I The new Vader model, actually, to, to digress, I don't like the cape on the new Vader model. It looks I agree uh, ridiculous. With you. So I've got a call in some favors maybe i don't have any favors to call in but i'm gonna ask some favors for some of my more hobby orientated friends to do something with that cape to make him look cool and not ridiculous yeah i will say looking at anakin's win rate on longshank 69 win percent i was gonna say so i mean when you got all the force in the world it's much better but dooku outside of separatists he's i think he's a bit of an anchor but uh, yeah, I think this game with Anakin, I think Anakin might be a bit of a sleeper for a while and, and come back and bite as people revisit him. I hope so. What I find really funny about this data is there are four games where someone played Vader with Anakin. There is some odd data in there. Some people have, have uh, notched up games with 
the new Darth Vader, which we don't have a stance card for, so that might be user input. But mm. I try and just filter rated data. That sometimes helps a little bit, but sometimes it doesn't. Oh, I forgot. You can just do rated data. Well, that's why our percentages were one to two off. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Well, Morgan, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that you think we may have missed? Man, I've spoken a lot and I apologize for speaking too much. I did want to say thank you for having me on. And I want to say thank you for our top eight game. It was a real pleasure to play with you and, and meet you. And I think um, we've both made a friend, which is nice. Thanks to the guys who organized the TTS events, the guys who started and the guys who then took over. And, you know, it's just a privilege to be able to play in it. Really quite fortunate to be able to, to win this episode one, which is great. And also Tom Harper, that beautiful human. Sydney City Space Lugs is his YouTube channel where it's, he's got some coverage of the things we spoke about today. So I think the the top eight game with you and I, Amar, really sort of highlights the Django not so fast. And then I think the final is is reasonable to show some counter Vader tactical play as well. So I'll shout out those guys. But that aside, mate, really appreciate you having me on. And, and I love sitting here and having a chat about Shadowpoint for a while. Yeah, same, man. And please do not apologize for speaking. I mean, I'm interviewing you, so we want to get your knowledge and your experiences. And I think there's some really good information here that either confirms things that people are already thinking or maybe spins things in a new direction. And of course, you know, just trying to understand your thought process when playing your games and, and ultimately winning the league. I mean, it's impressive, right? So congratulations to you. And yes, I completely agree. Check out Tom's videos on YouTube. We'll link them in the show notes so you can click them there, but very well played. And I completely agree in that we have made a friend here and I look forward to playing more games with you. And I do hope that you do sign up for the next league. I know that you have some, I guess, work-life balance concerns or work-hobby-life balance concerns. Look, at the end of the day, it's just one game a week, right? (laughs) Exactly. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Okay. Well, anyways... Morgan, thank you so much for joining on the episode here. Cheers, mate. All right, everyone. That's going to be it for this episode. Hello There is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Hello There patron by going to patreon.com slash Hello There Cast. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Hello There Cast. And you can email us at HelloThereCast at gmail.com. And please leave us reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts when you can. Thank you so much for helping us hit over a hundred five-star reviews on Spotify. We thank you so much. Our next target here is Apple Podcasts. We're going to try to get those up as well. But if you're listening on Spotify and you want to throw us a five-star review, we'd really, really appreciate it. Our goal is to get to 150 by the end of the year. Also, we'd love to give a big shout out to Lofiel for the show's music. Now, you can find Jesse and I on a ton of different places. You can follow Jesse on Twitter, Instagram, Longshanks, and Discord at Jesse Eakin. That's J-E-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. You can also check out his show, Fury's Finest, which talks about Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. You can follow me, Aman, on all social media at Games. I'm on a ton of Discords as well. Just look for someone named Aman. I promise you I'm the only one. I also have a podcast about Warhammer Underworlds called Path to Glory. It is the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. And that's going to be it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Morgan. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, may the force be with you. 
uncivilized.